0: I don't know how true this, sure this is for everybody else, maybe it's standard. We have a whole shelf full of games in our basement uh, that never get touched. Um, most of our games got opened at one point and were used exactly once and then sent down to the basement purgatory where they reside for the next 10 years until we finally clean them out. Um, what, are, what are your favorite kind of games here? You can shout them out. What are, what are some good games, good worthwhile games? Chess, oh, that's somebody's old fashioned, that's good. Sorry, what was that? King of Topia. <laughs> King of Topia? Topia. Oh, King of Topia. I don't know that one. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Apples to apples. That's a classic. Very Pinochle. Does anybody know how to play? My parents play Pinochle, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yahtzee. Oh, wonderful. How many of you are fans of video games? Okay, so everybody under a certain age, and yeah. Okay, very good. I like video games, personally. But Santa doesn't bring them often to me, and that's because Mrs. Claus says that they're a waste of time and rot the mind. (laughs) Now, that hardly seems fair. Some video games are quite educational, and even if they're not educational, it's not like I'm reading Twilight novels. I mean, is it really so bad? I don't know. (laughs) All I'm saying is there's worse things in life. Uh, I grew up in the era of the original Nintendo system, the NES. And it was a great system, but it had a lot of technical issues, you know? You couldn't really save games, and then they, it would like wipe things out, and then it would just start restarting, and it would just reset back to the main menu, and this. and all. So eventually, I moved on from that into computer games. And one of my all-time favorites, which even Georgia liked for a time, uh, is SimCity. All right, who here ever played SimCity? Okay, that's a fair number, too. And I know it could have been any one of them. There's a lot of versions. Uh, I played the original, and I I got pretty good at it uh, because I cheated. And (laughs) it wasn't a very realistic game, uh, I'll admit. But uh, SimCity 2000 was better. I wasted more hours on that, building many cities in that version. And um, occasionally in that game, you would destroy it for fun, right? That's what you did. Uh, They had a whole Disasters menu drop-down, right? And you could send floods and fires and uh, riots and earthquakes and all, monsters, you know, pretty much anything you wanted to. And the sirens would go off and people would panic and things would explode and it was a lot of fun. These were simple pleasures for simple people like me. Uh, In recent years, Jake and I both got hooked on SimCity 4, which I had to download online. It's a much more detailed game. I'm sure it's already rather dated, but I only play old games. That's just the way it is. But I thought it was a fairly realistic game, and it's a lot more fun than the older versions. Uh, And you can connect all the cities you create together, which is kind of cool. So you can create a whole world of things, right? And so I've got a few cities going on there. I haven't played it recently, but it's a lot of fun. And it is educational, because you have to learn how to budget and set tax rates and build an economy and a housing sector and social services, transportation. And it's tricky, because I don't know the cheat codes for this version. (laughs) But as long as your people are happy... And the city is growing, things are good, and uh, occasionally your, your virtual advisors, your like cabinet, so to speak, uh, they congratulate you on your brilliance. There's nothing like that, turning on the game. They're like, boy, boss, you're doing a great job uh, in your computer world. And uh, you're the mayor forever. You can be the mayor for hundreds of years. You never have to run for re-election. It's kind of great. And the worst that can happen is, like any of the Sim Cities. You fail, and uh, your city kind of gets messed up. It goes broke, and then you just destroy it, and then you try again. So it's all the glory with very little risk, and you have all the power, basically. Uh, And and Jake's habit when he's building is like, you know, if they they keep building a a factory he doesn't like to look up, he'll just keep destroying it and make them rebuild again and again and again until it looks like something he does like, and then he leaves them alone. But the appeal of SimCity is you get to build a world of your own, right? Right? Everyone's goal is to build a city that they would like to live in when they're playing that game. Your your goal is to make the ideal city with low crime, good schools, beautiful parks, nice homes, the tallest buildings, and the kind of city that you can be proud of. And here's the thing. Secretly, every SimCity player fantasizes about living in their own city. I know exactly which neighborhood I would live in in my fake city if I could choose to live there. I know which trains I would take to work. I know where my office would be. They actually let you build the mayor's house so you can decide exactly where you would be. SimCity is a form of escapism in that way. And I think a lot of hobbies and games are often like that, aren't they? Um, You know, when you play any video game, you sort of enter this digital world for a time. If you build a puzzle, you can lose yourself in the picture. The idea is as you're building this puzzle, you're kind of losing yourself in the scene that you're building, right? Because after all, the puzzle picture is usually something pleasant, right? They don't usually have puzzles that are pictures of like war zones or homeless encampments, right? That's not typical. Puzzles are pictures of coastal villages, European castles, beautiful countrysides, and sometimes fluffy animals. But it's nice scenery, the kind of scene where most of us wouldn't mind being there. Uh, Painting can be like that. Uh, Bob Ross is always reminding me that when I paint, it's my world, I make all the decisions, I decide where all my happy little clouds and trees and mountains live, right? And so the goal of that style of painting is to create a world I wouldn't mind visiting someday. It's like that scene in Mary Poppins where they jump into Bert's chalk drawings, right? Books can be like that too. A good author can create a whole world just using words, and some authors are very good at this. So for instance, for many years, I routinely checked the back of an old cedar wardrobe in my parents' basement. What was I looking for? Narnia. (laughs) Narnia still hasn't shown up, and I know, because now I own that wardrobe, and I still check it every night. (laughs) Just kidding. I check it like once a week at most. Uh, Tolkien, one of my absolute favorite authors, was such a nerd that he created multiple languages and then had to create a whole world with its own 4,000-year history just to contain the various languages. And I think this is why people become obsessed with his series, right? We all wish we could enter this world. Some for the adventure, others, like me, could easily just sit and eat with the hobbits all day. I think we all have fantasy worlds we'd like to live in, or at least visit. But when I imagine visiting my digital city, in SimCity, let's say, it only sounds like fun because I assumed that I would be a celebrity when I got there, Right? And that stands to reason. After all, I built it. They owe me everything, right? So when I imagine living there, I imagine living in the mayor's house, right? Or maybe one of the high-rise condos, if I want to be generous and live among the people, right? I'd pick the one with the pool on the roof that's really tall, right? Or the Victorian estate over here in this neighborhood. And, and it's fun to imagine, mostly because I imagine the best. Why not? My imaginary city would love me, and I would live in luxury, and it would be great. Now, of course, living in your fantasy, living in a game, is not all it's cracked up to be. If you've ever seen Jumanji, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, But I wonder, what if I showed up in my city and I wasn't the mayor, and what if no one paid any attention to me at all? What if I was rejected and treated like an outcast and had to live in a shack in the industrial sector? Wouldn't that kind of defeat the purpose of visiting my city? Like, I didn't spend all those hours making this city a beautiful place just to be ignored when I showed up, right? And the fact is, if I couldn't be the mayor, I don't think I'd even stay. I don't think I'd visit. What's the point? Now, maybe you see where I'm going with this. This is all kind of silly. Uh, These worlds are just imaginary. My imaginary world probably isn't all that interesting anyway, but beloved We are here tonight to celebrate someone who created something real, a real world that is interesting and not something on a screen or a canvas or in a book, something that could be touched, something that could be lived in, not like our fantasy worlds. When we talk about creating a world, uh, we're only working in a system that he already programmed, right? Right? Our entire reality, what we know, is a product of his imagination. He wrote the code for everything from DNA to the way that the orbits of the planets work. He created a world that eventually had more languages and a far more detailed history even than anything in Tolkien's world, or Star Wars, or the Marvel Universe for that matter. You name it. It has more wonders than Narnia. It had more beauty than a Bob Ross painting. And it's more complicated than the very hardest puzzle. And we celebrate tonight that he became part of it. If you want to put it this way, he entered the game. Colossians isn't a normal Christmas Eve passage, but it's been on my mind. Um, Paul tells us in Colossians 1 that Jesus was the firstborn of all creation For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's hard to overstate what a big deal Jesus is. The entire world, everything we know, from the farthest-flung galaxy is his plaything. In other words, he didn't just create a world, he created all the worlds, including the imaginary worlds that are in our alleged minds. The physical universe and even the invisible stuff. Everything. Everything was created by him through him and for him and Paul says that he also sustains it all in him all things hold together he says meaning that without him holding it together it would all fall apart completely and immediately and yet he entered it he jumped into the pages of his own book It's hard for us to wrap our minds around this because he didn't exactly jump into a utopia, did he? We have an idealized idea of what our imaginary world would be. But he entered a world that was a mess, and he knew it was a mess. Not just the world, his own chosen nation that he chose to go to, and in fact, his own family tree, as we talked about last Sunday. It's all broken, it's all messed up and rotten. And that wasn't his fault, it wasn't his mismanagement, like it is mine on my game, right? It's not his fault, his design was perfect. Someone else came along and screwed it all up, like those idiotic environmentalists that are like throwing mashed potatoes at the Mona Lisa in the last few months, right? Like, somebody just came along and tried to ruin it, and did. And because of sin, the world no longer just has beauty, it also has ugliness, and it also has more danger than Jumanji, The whole thing has become spoiled. It's a hot mess. Now, if this were you or me, and we're playing SimCity, what would we do? We'd burn it down, and we'd start over. We'd scroll down that SimCity disasters menu and wipe it out like Jacob. Keep demolishing the building until they do it right. That's what we do. But that's not what Jesus does. Instead, he decided to come and visit for himself and come down into what he created and to become a part of our world. And not only that, to be like us, one of us, to experience it the real way, And somehow, in this story that we celebrate tonight, these same hands that are simultaneously holding the entire universe together would be wrapping themselves around the fingers of a young, frightened virgin. And the same feet that would one day crush the head of the serpent would be tickled by a simple carpenter. And the voice that created the cosmos was reduced to crying out for milk. There's a reason that theologians call this the humiliation of Christ. It's hard to imagine a more humiliating situation. When Jesus got here, he was ignored. He didn't get a hero's welcome. He didn't get to live in the mayor's house or a high end apartment. He was born as a helpless baby in a small, overcrowded village where the only welcoming committee was some barnyard animals and a few local shepherds who showed up late. Why? Why did he do it? Because this isn't a video game. (laughs) And it's not just a fantasy, and we're not just sims or characters to him. He came because he loved us. And because we needed a savior. And because we needed him even when we didn't want him. So he became a part of his creation and lived in the mess and he came to reclaim his people even if it killed him and eventually it did. And he knew it would. Not many people rejoiced at his coming but we're here tonight to make up for it. That's what Christmas is all about. We couldn't get to God so instead God became man. He entered his own game and the world will never be the same. And that is certainly worth celebrating. Is it not? Let's pray. Gracious God, our Father, what can we say? What can we say but thank you for sending Jesus down into the mess? Lord, he knew what the cost would be. Lord, not just the the cost of his life, but Lord, just the sheer humiliation of coming down here and being poor. Living in the dirt, working with his hands. Rubbing shoulders with us. And yet he did it willingly, Lord. We thank you that you so loved the world that you sent him. We thank you that he so loves his people that it was willing, he was willing and it was worth it to him to come down here and rescue them, to rescue us. We praise you, Lord, for it. We rejoice this night. We ask these things in Jesus' name.